Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, 1 Kings chapter 15, and today's title is A Generational Roller Coaster. <laughs> a Generational Roller Coaster. I'm going to ask you this question Have you, Do you like roller coasters? Can I tell you, I love the idea of roller coasters. Matter of fact, let me even be more honest with you than that. I love roller coasters. After you get to the top, right? That that journey, that that five hour journey feels like you know where it's like click, 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 click all the way up. I start to question all of my life's choices. Why am I here? Why have I done this? How, did I make sure my my life insurance was paid up? All that because I am terribly, terribly afraid of heights. Once we pass over, and that's the worst part, is you get to the top of those clicks, and for a second, all the clicks are gone. And I'm certain that the roller coaster is off of its rails and we're about to die. You know, once it gets going, I love it. But that's not everybody. I know some people that as soon as that thing starts, they hate it because as they go up, it seems like their stomach gets up in their throat, then it goes down, it seems like their whole body, it just it just messes them up so bad. Well, today is when we're gonna start to feel that when it comes to the nation of Israel just going all over the place. And we're gonna to get to that in just a moment. But if you like what we're doing here, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thank you so much for commenting and for letting us know how you're interacting with God's word. Uh, I had someone who posted just something this past week that said that the thing they love about the podcast and the YouTube channel is they said they feel like they learn something new almost every day. And I want to say thank you so much for that encouragement. That's what we try to do is have at least one thing that maybe you've not heard before because I love learning about God's Word. The more we dig, the more we find. And my hope is is that it causes you to be become curious about God's Word and to dig deeper into His goodness. Also, for everybody who's listened to the podcast, you will forever be my favorites. I love you so much. Please don't forget to leave us a five-star review and then also leave us a review. Let us know what is working, how we are, be able, how we are able to bless you, and let us know how we can improve. Also, where we all gather together at the Facebook group called the Bible Breakdown Discussion Group. I love that place so much. So make sure you join us there as well. If you have your Bibles and want to open up with me to 1 Kings chapter 15, like I was saying before, I rode this roller coaster one time. One time. It was called the Ninja. It was uh, Six Flags over Georgia, and it took us forever to get to that roller coaster. It was brand new at the time. That's how old I am. And that ride... It seemed like it took us two hours at least to get to the ride. And can I tell you, that whole time, I was so confident. I was borderline arrogant. This is not going to be anything. It's not going to be a big deal. I got this. But as soon as I got on that ride, I realized I don't want to be on this ride anymore. (laughs) But I was on it now. And so once again, click, 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 questioning all my life choices. And then once we went... That was one of the few ones. It never got any better. It was so fast, and it was it was just moving all over the place. It was just it was crazy. And can I tell you, that is exactly what this chapter feels like to me. We're going to be going back and forth between Judah and between Israel. And what's going to happen is is you're going to see how one king is okay. He's not great. He's not the worst one. But then the next one is going to go downhill, and it's going to be like you fell off a cliff. It's like the worst human being ever. 
and then we're going to go up again. Like, this guy loves God. It's going to be great. The next one goes down again. If you're not careful, it's going to make you disoriented to see. As this generational roller coaster starts to happen, and as we read this together and we see this, we're going to see if the Lord will speak to us today and what he would have to say as we dig in a little deeper. You ready? Here we go. Let's enjoy, quotes, this roller coaster today. Chapter 15 of 1 Kings, verse 1 says this Abajam began to rule over Judah in the 18th year of Jeroboam's reign in Israel. Now, pause again. Remember what the Bible is going to do is it's going to be going back and forth between Israel and Judah to also help us reckon time, just like it did then. Abajam began to rule during the 18th year of the king of Israel. So it's going to go back and forth like that to help us understand the difference. Okay, verse 2. Abajam reigned in Jerusalem for three years. His mother was Maacah, the granddaughter of Absalom. Lord help us. Verse 3. He committed the same sins as his father did before him, and he was not faithful to the Lord his God, as his ancestor David had been. But for David's sake, the Lord his God allowed him his descendants to continue ruling, shining like a lamp, and he gave Abajam a son to rule after him in Jerusalem. For David had done what was pleasing in the Lord's sight as he had obeyed the Lord's commands throughout his life, except with that whole affair concerning Uriah the Hittite and killing folks and all that kind of stuff. Besides that, he did really, really well. So notice he's saying David was great. Abajam is horrible. Okay, but because David was great, here we go again. So verse 6, there was war between Abajam and Jeroboam throughout Abajam's reign. The rest of the events of Abijah's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah, and there was constant war between Abijah and Jeroboam. And when Abijah died, he was buried in the city of David, and his son Asa became the next king. And what you're going to see constantly is constant. This family, the Israelite family of Israel and Judah, constantly be trying to kill each other. <laughs> Here we go. Asa now rules in Judah. Asa began to rule over Judah in the 20th year of Jeroboam's reign in Israel. He reigned in Jerusalem 41 years. His grandmother was Maacah, the granddaughter of Absalom. Now, pause once again. The reason why that's important is these writers are constantly trying to pull back and help you realize the connection they have to David. Because remember, Absalom, even though he was a dumpster fire, he was also David's son. So they're trying to help you remember how close this is to David, right? Verse 11, Asa did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. Praise the Lord. As his ancestor David had done, he banished the male and female shrine prostitutes from the land and got rid of the idols as his ancestors had made. Praise the Lord for that, right? Verse 13, he even deposed his grandmother, Maacah, from her position as queen mother because she had made an obscene asteropole. Now pause for a moment. He done kicked out his Meemaw. I mean, this guy is determined to follow the Lord. Meemaw, if you're going to make an idol, we're going to have to part company. Wow, that's, that's some courage right there. He cut down her obscene pole and burned it in the Kidron Valley. In other words, in the town dump, that's where he burned it. He's like, that, it's going to go in the garbage where it belongs. Verse 14, although the pagan shrines were not removed... Asa's heart remained completely faithful to the Lord throughout his life. That's one thing we're going to continue to see, is that these kings, some of them are going to love the Lord, but most of them don't completely destroy the different avenues for idol worship. 
That's one of the, the negative things that they don't do. Verse 15, he brought into the temple of the Lord the silver and gold and various items that he and his father had dedicated. There was constant war between King Asa of Judah and King Baasha of Israel. King Baasha of Israel invaded Judah and fortified Ramah in order to prevent anyone from entering or leaving King Asa's territory in Judah. What a jerk. Asa responded by removing all of the silver and gold that was left in the treasuries of the temple of the Lord and the royal palace. He sent it with some of his officials to Ben-Hadad, the son of Tabirmam, son of Hezron, the king of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus along with this message. Sup, y'all. Let there be a treaty between you and me like the one between your father and my father. See, I am sending you a gift of silver and gold. Break your treaty with King Baashan of Israel so that we, or so he will leave me alone. In other words, can we be friends so that they'll leave me alone? Verse 20 says this, Ben-Hadad agreed to King Asa's request and sent the commanders of his army to attack the towns of Israel. They conquered the towns of Lijan, Dan, Abel, Meth, Maeka, and all of Canareth in the land of Naphtali. As soon as Baasha of Israel heard what was happening, he abandoned his project of fortifying Ramah and withdrew to Tizra. The king of Asa sent an order throughout Judah requiring that everyone, without exception, to help carry away the building stones and timbers that Baasha had been using to fortify Ramah. Asa used these materials to fortify the town of Gabeah in Benjamin in the town of Mizpah. So pause. So what happened was, is they are were building up this fortified area that they were going to use as a staging ground to just overwhelm Judah. When all of this happened, uh, the king said, I want you guys to now all come together. All of Drew, Judah come together to tear all this down and let's go protect ourselves. Let's get ready in case this happens again. So that's what they did. Verse 23, the rest of the events in Asa's reign, the extent of his power, everything he did, and the names of the cities he built are recorded in the book of the histories of the kings of Judah. In his old age, his feet became diseased. When Asa died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Then Jehoshaphat, Asa's son, became the next king. There's a lot of people, by the way, who've always who've asked the question, you know, what, why would God include that his feet became diseased? Now, one of the things would be, this is just a way of keeping record of what happened, and there would have been a way for them to know, you know, this was a significant moment in King Asa's life. Can I tell you from my point of view, I think that there's, there's layers in the Bible, and I think that's a very good primary layer. But I think as a deeper layer, we can realize, is as Asa grew older, the foundation had not been secured, and so it laid the groundwork for future generations. I think the fact that he did not remove those idolatrous worship places in the hills, it did not set the foundation properly. And so this is one way, layers down, that God is saying, because he didn't correct the foundation in the old age, it began to bother him. So here we go. Verse 25, we're going to now shift over to Israel. Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, began to reign over Israel in the second year of King Asa's reign in Judah. He reigned in Israel for two years, but he did what was evil in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his father, continuing the sins of Jeroboam that had led Israel to commit. Then Baasha, son of Ahijah, from the tribe of Issachar, plotted against Nadab and assassinated him while he while he and the Israelite army were laying siege to the Philistines in the town of Gabethon. 
Vahesha killed Nadab in the third year of King Asa's reign in Judah, and he became the next king of Israel. He immediately slaughtered all the descendants of King Jeroboam so that not one of the royal family was left. Just as the Lord had promised concerning Jeroboam by the prophet Ahijah from Shiloh. This was done because Jeroboam had provoked the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, by the sins that he had committed and the sins that he had led Israel to commit. The rest of the events in Nadab's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. There was constant war between King Asa of Judah and King Bashan of Israel. Bashan, son of Ahijah, began to rule over all Israel in the third year of King Asa's reign in Judah. Baasha reigned in Terzah for 24 years, but he did what was evil in the Lord's sight and followed the example of Jeroboam, continuing the sins that Jeroboam had led Israel to commit. So as you can see, you've got negative, then you've got Asa, you got something good, then you've got negative, then you got really negative, and then you got something a little bit better. And the two things that I would love for you to take with you in this is number one, is that this is the reason why God, the Holy Spirit inspired these people to write the history is because they're grappling with this. They're now several years later, they're, they're in exile. Both nations have been sub, subdued. You know, spoiler alert, they've both been conquered at this point. And they're looking back and they're going, how did we get in this mess? And it was because the generations, at some point, the generations quit going upward again. They kept going downhill and then downhill. And one of the things we see here, and we're going to see throughout the nation of Israel and Judah's history is there's these downward spirals, but then there'll be an upward. And when there's upward, things get a lot better. But eventually, the nation of Israel and Judah start to have down, 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 until finally judgment comes, to which then leads me to kind of the thought for us today, and that is this. You can't help what your ancestors did, what your parents did, what those around you are doing. To an extent, we can't help what the next generation does. We can encourage them. We can disciple them. We can mentor them. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs to train up a child in the way he goes. And when he is old, he'll know which way to go. It says he will not depart from it. He'll know. But here's the thing. The Bible doesn't promise us that they'll go that way. It promises us that they will know which way to go. They'll not depart from it. They'll, they'll know which way to go. We can't, we can't do anything about the generation before us, the generation after us. But we can do something about the generation that we're in. And so the encouragement I will give you today is, let's just say that the generation before you, your parents, were godly people. They loved the Lord, did the best that they could. Well, we can't, we can't, they can't have a relationship with God for us. What we can do is we can use that upward swing and we can go even higher. Maybe it was the opposite for you. Maybe your parents didn't know the Lord. But you have an opportunity to take an upward swing and to see the generation go in a positive direction. Maybe right now you're in a season where maybe you have kids and your kids are on a downward swing. There's only so much we can do. Our hearts can break and hurt for them. We can intercede for them. But we can't have a relationship with God for them. They have to do that. You can't do that much for the generation after you. You can't do anything about the generation before you. But you can do something about your generation. So I want to encourage you, make sure that your generation is an upward swing. Make sure that if someone were to look at the lineage of your family, 
that they will see, just like the nation of Israel and Judah, they would see probably look like a like a, a wave in the ocean. Things are up, things are bad, things are down, things are back up again. But for your generation, make sure that history remembers that for yours, it was an upward swing, that you did everything you could to serve the Lord, to make sure you set the proper foundation for those who were going to come next, to make sure that you didn't let yesterday inform. It, they inform your today, but it doesn't change your today. But you realize today is the day that the Lord has made for you to rejoice and be glad in it. What are you going to do with your life to make sure that when history looks back, that it will say that during their generation, they served the Lord? Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you, God, that you do not consult our past to determine our future. Our past informs our present, but it doesn't, it doesn't have its final say. Lord, I'm so sad to say that we can't, we can't change the future. It's not been written yet in the lives of those. You know the future, God, and all we can do is deal with the present. I pray, God, that you'll help us to not worry about the future, not dwell on the past, but to live in this moment and to realize, God, that this is the moment you've given us. We can't change any of those other things, but we can live today in a way that we will be remembered as in this generation they knew the Lord. Thank you for giving us that opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's not forget what Elijah said in 1 Kings chapter 18 when he's looking at the nation. And as you can see, they're in a downward spiral. And he says this to all of them. He says, how much longer will you waver hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. It's time for us to make some decisions. If God is God, it's time for us to follow him with every area of our life. Because that's where peace is truly is. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow for 1 Kings chapter 16.